You're listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast, episode number five. Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Episode 5 of the Passionate DJ Podcast, and I am super excited to get on with the show. I'm not going to spend too much time on the intro today because we have a fantastic interview, just chock full of good stuff, and I pretty much cover all the essentials in the beginning of the interview, so let's get right to business. Hey, what's up, everybody? David Michael here with the Passionate DJ Podcast, and I am nothing less than thrilled to introduce my guest today. Laurent Veronet, the brains behind many musical aliases, is best known for his work under the name Airwave. Laurent is a composer of electronic music with over 500 productions and remixes under his belt, as well as a world-class DJ and multi-instrument performer. Now, Airwave is a hugely popular and deeply respected name in the dance music scene with a very loyal fan base. He is especially known for his work in the trance genre, both progressive and psychedelic, and is an open and honest speaker about the state of the industry and kind of how his musical vision fits into it. Now, on a personal level, as someone who was introduced to the scene many years ago through trance, the name Airwave holds a very special place in my heart. Even though trance is probably my EDM first love, if you will, I largely found myself separated from the genre as time went on. I felt disconnected from the more modern flavors of trance music, which seemed a lot more like big room electro or pure pop records to me. What I love about Laurent is that he's not afraid to keep it underground. He's helped me to remain a believer in the genre with his beautiful melodies, gut-wrenching melodrama, great sense of tension, and relentless dance floor sensibilities. But all that being said, Laurent's work cannot be pigeonholed into a single genre. Um, his massive discography is definitely worth exploring if you're a fan of any kind of emotive music. Now, I could go on and on about how excited I am to do this interview on Episode 5 of the Passionate DJ Podcast, but I'm sure you're all as excited as I am to get the show on the road. So, without further ado, I present Airwave. Laurent, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey there, everyone. It's my pleasure, really. Uh, greetings from Brussels in Belgium. I'm really, really thrilled to uh, to be able to do this. Uh, it's probably uh, one of the first times I'm doing this for you uh, with you guys, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. What's the weather like in Brussels today? Quite uh, sunny. Well, it was quite sunny, and now it's getting cloudy. And uh, I think we are going to get some uh, some thunder in the next few hours. Oh. Well, actually, that's what they announced. Uh, quite normal for this time of uh, for this time of the year. So we'll see. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully we can re- get the recording done before we have any power outages or. Thunder. Yeah, outages uh, don't uh, do not happen that that easily here in Europe, okay. Western Europe. So you don't need to worry about that. Okay, okay. Well, as you can tell, I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm very excited to talk Absolutely. to you. Absolutely, I, I heard this when uh, when you were about to introduce this, and I, I'm really. Uh, you know, I, I'm really close to my fans, and this is um, this is the way I, I do everything. So please have a go. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, you know, it's really exciting for me to talk to you because you know I do know I, I have watched you kind of here and there over the years interact with your fans and you know do the uh, ask me anything on Reddit and post on various forums and such. So uh, 
that was one reason I wanted to talk to you. I know that you're very passionate about what you do, and I'm sure you have a lot to say, so we're just thrilled to have you with us. Yeah, I always have a few words for everyone and everything. The main thing today is that I always have something positive to 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 say about yeah all all the matters that really um that really interest me in uh, in general. So yeah, we have a very I think people who've written into the blog and and sent me emails and Facebook messages and things they they really enjoy the positive tone that the blog and the podcast has overall. So that fits in perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I think a thing is going to click between us for sure. <laughs> awesome. So I'm I'm hoping to kind of get some insight into your life as a traveling DJ and then po- possibly move into your thoughts on the state of modern trance music yeah, and what you have to say fair. about electronic music in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but first off, I'd like to kind of help my listeners get to know you. So if you wouldn't mind to give us maybe a quick backstory, like how, how did you get in, get started in DJing and production and which came first? It's not a big secret, but I'm, when I was, uh, when about, when I was about six, seven years old, my mom gave me a, a small keyboard and I was just naturally reproducing melodies on there that I had heard on the radio, something like this, just naturally. She was like, hey, this is something unusual for the family. And of course, years after that, I discovered that I had this gift of perfect, perfect pitch. That's how they call this. And so when I, when I got, you know, I, I, I was just so uh, into drawing and painting and all that stuff when I was six, seven years old. So I, I just put music on the side. But when I hit 14, uh, I, I wasn't, I went through a, a very difficult period. I was um, considered as a loser at school, at high school, for the people who know what, what it's like. And um, I went to, uh, I went to a friend of mine and uh, he just introduced me to keyboards and music and, and everything else. And wow, that was just so amazing that you know, I didn't want to drive anymore, and I just, I just stopped drawing, and I, I, I just focused on music from there. I was 14 years old, and now I'm 35, and uh, you know the story. I, I got into, uh, into producing, and, and first of all, playing keyboards, and then I got into producing when I hit 16, 17, because I, I got lots of time when I got, uh, when I ran over a car. Well, ran, the car ran over me. And um, I bro- uh, I had I got my knee broken. Because of that, I got lots of time at home. I got my schoolmates bringing me all the schoolwork, uh, all the homework. I mean, um, at home. But I had plenty of time for music as well. And so uh, this is how I got into music, actually. And so I was- you, st- you started working from home at a young age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I-, I was just a prototype of a, a-, a-, of a bedroom producer. <laughs> and, um, I remember uh, I-, I was working with a lot less hardware than most people were. And uh, I was getting you know, close to the very same results. And, uh, that, that was the, the, yeah, the early days of the home studio and the bedroom producer. And, uh, that, that, that was awesome, you know. I, I was just 16, 17 and I was finishing tracks just like, just like this in four or five hours. That was the, the good old times. Were you always kind of a, uh, I guess tech geek or computer guy, or did that, did you learn Absolutely. that stuff as a result Actually, of yeah. music? I, I was a lot into computers. I always wanted to marry uh, 
those two hobbies of mine, which are music and, and computers. And I used to do the same with, uh, with drawing and computers. I, I do some Photoshop as well, but not, not professionally, of course. Of course not. But, uh, thing is, uh, music and, and computers were something very different back, back in the days. I mean, like in 94, 95, they were completely uh, incompatible. All of a sudden, you know, when sequencers uh, like Cubase and, Lo- and Notator, which happened to become Logic, and uh, and all the others became popular, then uh, you got, you know, an, an entire world of new possibilities uh, in front of you. And that made, uh, sequencers made it very, uh, very easier very easy for for people like me to uh, to make tracks and this is how we uh, we built the first the early the early demos that we had time went on and i i met some people from uh, from dance music and this is also you know you hit 16 you make you already make music with computers and uh, all the internal sequencers into your synthesizers and just stumble upon you know radio stations on the, uh local radio stations playing uh, trance music but I mean, in '94, uh, it was it was for me like a bomb, a time bomb, because that that music grew on me like nothing else. And by uh, by the end of '94, I was making my my first techno tracks, you know, trance techno tracks. And from uh, from there, I I I never quit the business. And I remember signing my my first records. I was just out of high school. I was 18, and I was on the on the biggest label in my country, which uh, which is uh, which just still is uh, Bonsai Records, and now uh, known as uh, Bonsai Progressive. And I'm still a member of the house. In short, this is a story. <laughs> this, this is very interesting to me because, um, and and kind of inspiring because. I'm noticing how similar your story is to my own, at least as far as how you got interested in this stuff. I mean, I, I've i always been kind of a tech geek, and actually my day job is as a, a systems administrator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, I, I had the same kind of experience where my parents were listening to me pluck out melodies on a little uh, – they used to have these books with built-in electronic keyboards, just children's yeah. books – and yeah. I was picking out melodies, and they looked through the books, and the songs weren't weren't listed. I was just doing them by ear, and yeah, I had just this desire to mash my computer yeah. knowledge with the music <laughs> knowledge, and so that's that's pretty cool to hear that that's how how you got started on your path. Having a gift doesn't give you you know the the whole talent, and the whole talent doesn't doesn't exist to me. To be honest, it takes years of tremendous work on your own. On your on your inner space to to get somewhere in the, in the business and and somewhere uh, for yourself. So would you would you say that you value uh, skill more than talent? Uh, I value work more than more than talent. Okay. For me, ninety five percent of what uh, uh, of what makes people successful is how they how they make use of their skills and, and their gifts. Of their talent, I mean, yeah. Some uh, a colleague of mine, uh, y- y- the guy behind behind Jan Dahl here in Belgium, Christoph, he used to tell people it's five percent uh, talent and ninety five percent sweating. 
this is exactly how I feel about music making, you know? I love that. Yeah, I love this, and this is, this, that's the way it should be. But problem is today, uh, with the music that we, uh, that we get and that I get through a promo pool sometimes, I'm just like, where is the talent? They just use the same <laughs> template as anyone else. I'm just like, huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But it's, it's nothing. I, I don't want to sound too negative about this because it's just, you know, the, the kids doing it, but who cares after all? We, we're only passionate about great and cool stuff and uh, I'd rather talk about that. <laughs> yeah, well, and we'll definitely get into that a little bit more. Um, yeah. But now that we've kind of heard a little bit about you and your story, let's, uh, let's shift focus a little bit. If you don't mind, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit about what the life of a traveling DJ is like. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, it's a, it's a big plan. Okay, so I was wondering if you'd tell me how your DJ career affects your family life. I mean, how what kind of adjustments have you had to make to your career to ensure happiness at home and vice versa? Well, it really, it truly depends on the, the period you are into. But believe me, once you are traveling a lot, you have periods like this, like you're traveling every single week. I'm still traveling a lot because I'm producing also uh, outside from home with my laptops and, and everything else. And honestly, it's um, you feel like a complete new life. You you feel like a, a criminal uh, for for your own children because I I've got kids myself. It's over. Uh, it's always a a choice you have to make. You know. Well, fact is. Once um, music making and, and everything and the music business become your uh, career, become your uh, the, the, your way of life and everything else, there is not much space for kids. But I try to compensate uh, when I get back home as much as I can. Just to say, I, I, I was playing earlier, like half an hour ago, I was I was playing with my with the girls. Just like this, and uh, I, I happen to do this several times a, a week. You know, just play with them, and uh, well, this is the way I, I'm trying to compensate. Not with toys and everything else. I'm not buying stuff at all, at all for them, but I, I just try to compensate with uh, with a lot of time today, which is much more important, in my opinion. Definitely. So, I mean, at what point did you decide um, that it was time to? quit the day job or did you ever have a, a moment where you said I'm going to quit the day job and take it full time I used to have a day job back in 97 98 until November 98 that I had a day job a regular day job let's say because I was working uh, before as a technical support manager I was 18 19 years old it was for a, a big uh, software company that you uh, that you guys probably know which is called uh, Ubisoft. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. From there, I, I just realized that I could dedicate my my own life, my, my, my whole life to music, and this is the way I, I this is the way I do things today. Money is no object for me. Uh, I, I just want to be happy in life. And most people think that they can replace happiness with money which is completely wrong. I don't care uh, getting lots of money. I just want to make sure that my kids get enough to eat, get enough toys to play with or friends to play with, and that they get enough attention. And everything else is just irrelevant for me. 
You know, I don't have a car anymore because of eventual trouble in, in my life, in my personal life. Well, who cares, you know? Because today I'm happier than anyone having a, a day job just because he has to. Yeah, you definitely need to follow your own path, and uh, and it's it's really inspiring to hear that you you took that leap and decided that this is you what know, you want to do with your life. And you know, you, you, the speech, the the quotes I used from Alan Watson, my track Game of Life. Forget the money. If you keep if you keep uh, thinking that money is an object, you you will end up doing things you don't like and teach your children how to to make things they don't like and this is completely wrong believe me especially when you have when you when you are a gifted person and this is also the case with uh with my children well i guess so and uh, we could uh identify it uh with mila for uh right now she's she's a gifted person she doesn't know yet but she has high potential just like many others we don't know what she's going to do she uh, could be uh, a well-known sh- scientist could be could be suing all the all the time or drawing doesn't matter as long as she's happy this way you ha- you have to think this way you cannot follow a normal path if you uh, if you have you know if you are a gifted person and this is exactly what you and I are this is exactly what she is so we need something, you know, to get us really passionate about, or we we uh, we just we, we just feel like not non-existing in, in on this planet. This is exactly how I feel, actually. Yeah, that's that's great advice, and I the the quote that's at the beginning of that track is is great. In fact, if you don't mind, I'll I'll link to that song in the show notes so that, uh, that yeah. listeners can hear it. And I'm sure I can link it to to the to original uh, speech of um, it was a lecture. From Alan Watts, uh, from uh, for, for the for the people who don't know him, he's a philosopher from the from the seventies. He died in seventy three, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure about this, but the guy uh, had incredible ideas. He was uh, probably an icon of the flower power movement in um, in the sixties in the, in the UK. Okay, and he also uh, imported uh, the Buddhism and the Oriental uh, way of life, way of thinking in the, in his country. So he was uh, he was an amazing person, and uh, I got to to uh, to discover his works uh, quite recently. But once I discovered them, it became really uh, obvious to me that we need to change a lot of stuff around this to 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 make. To make the world we live in uh, uh, a lot better. He's got a foundation, alanwatts.org, uh, also. So, uh, if you can just, uh, link people to that, to that guy, that, that would be awesome. I will definitely do that. Now, if we could kind of shift to the little more technical side of things. Yes. Um, so you're, you're on the road a lot. You're traveling. You're playing. Uh, I know you, you do a lot of, um, improv, improvisational playing as well as yeah. DJing. And so I was wondering, what is the thought process behind your equipment selection? In other words, how do you decide what goes on your technical writer? It evolves all the time. Uh, first of all, and this is something that became really apparent um, in the in the last few in the last few years, uh, from 2006 seven until now, everything that I use has to be uh, rock solid when being played live. Even when I'm producing a record, it has to be hands on. 
you know. So stability have, has top priority for you. Yeah, I mean, reliability and hands-on control is uh, are my main priorities when it comes to selecting my equipment. And today, I just use software most of the time because it's uh, a lot more portable, of course, and um, and everything else is keyboards and controllers and that that stuff. But uh, everything that I use is really rock solid on that um, on that side. But something that's really important when when selecting your hardware, uh, especially when using when working with laptops, is uh, making the right choice when choosing your USB hub. Uh, most of the time, and I have this, I have a very pesky USB hub here that I still <laughs> use as a backup. It makes me really, really, really bad sometimes because <laughs> it crashes all the time, which means that my controllers just stop working. Every single performance that I had with that hub, the the, the keyboard stopped uh, stopped playing for for thirty seconds until I, I just switch it switch it back on. You know, yikes! And um, I guess it's probably something, you know, a, a defective unit or something, but I, I've had it for years and I've never changed it because I, I'm so used to it. But that is your USB hub re- really needs to be reliable when, when, uh, when working, when performing or else you will face horrible trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of is, is the, the one little piece that brings everything together. And if, if that's failing, you're in trouble for sure. <laughs> Exactly, and everything you know, everything stalls, and everything gets uh, you, you, you got a mini loop or, or or that stuff, and it's just unbearable, you know. Right. Believe me, it happens. It happened to me uh, quite a few times. I, I just try to hide it when when performing because everything is done on the fly and just you know in real time. Yeah, I have to deal with those uh, with those uh, problems all the time. So uh, USB hub first. Secondly, a good computer that never crashes, something that's reliable, and thirdly, uh, the right software for, for for your performance is very important to me. Today, I would like to switch to something else. I'm still using Ableton Live, but I, I'm not go, go, going to agree to uh, to Live Nine because um, honestly, oh well, I, I won't I won't waste my time with negativity when it comes to Ableton. But uh, I'm happy with eight. But I'd like to switch uh, to uh, Logic for for my live performances as well. It sounds a little bit weird because Logic is not was not made for live performances, sure. Especially for stuff uh, stuff on the fly and uh, playing tracks and, and and stuff like that. But I think Logic is a lot more reliable. But the latest version needs uh, needs a few adjustments until we can people like me can can make. Great use of it when uh, when playing live, but it's coming. There there is also the uh, the other piece of software that's called Mainstage. I'm really looking forward to it because but but it's always you know I need to adapt myself, and uh, I have to look into it. But this is what I basically use when uh, when when performing today. A lot of contact and uh, Omnisphere instruments as well. So I need lots of RAM into my laptop. Yeah, and, uh, of course. Uh, I've got two hard drives, SSD and normal hard drives, so I I have a good I, I have a good uh, workstation when producing and performing on the go. So aside from the the tools and the you know your family life, what I mean, have you had to make other adjustments in other areas of life just to cater to your 
you know, potentially rigorous travel schedule? I mean, how does it affect you personally? That's as simple as that. I have very few friends. I have family. I barely see my parents. I have no time for hobbies. Uh, people know that I, I used to uh, to be a, a big-time gamer, a hardcore gamer. Uh, I, I used to be on the Xbox Live all the time. I used to... Um, I used to try uh, to, to play all t- kinds of games. On I used to have 18 games consoles here. Just for information, <laughs> I got rid of everything. I'm getting rid of everything because I have no time for it anymore. That's as simple as that. I, I, I'd love to uh, keep on playing here, but it's impossible. I uh, decided two years ago that, I, that it was about time to dedicate my entire life to, uh, to music. And this is exactly what I don't. It's uh, it's painful sometimes, but I know it's at the end of the tunnel, you know. So, uh, so I just want to make it. So, what advice would you give to someone who's listening, um, who might be dreaming of quitting their day job and and pursuing music full time? People are uh, would tell you not to do this. I would be the very first guy uh, who uh, would tell you not to do this. Unless you're really sure that music is your passion. I'd say, just like Alan Watts, do what you like with passion. And eventually you get a good fee for it. There are thousands of occasions, of gigs, of specific areas into the music business. So we can start making good money out of it. It's That shouldn't be DJing, especially. I'm a musician, first of all. So DJing is just the icing on the cake for me. Sure. Honest. But it's also, well, when performing, I get good money out of it. But it's not essential. I have other areas that are that, that cover the bills, you know. And probably, um, not to speak for you, but I'm assuming that a lot of those other projects and, and music that you've created and other, other inroads that you've worked are part, at least related to uh, your success and the money that you can make as a DJ. Yeah, the, the the people just see the icing, uh, the, the you know, the, they just crash the surface. They, they don't want to 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 go further than this. Fact is, for one the one successful DJ today, you got thousands and thousands unsuccessful ones. This is this is really hard to deal with because I'm in the middle of this. I'm into this ocean of unsuccessful and also successful people. But I do whatever I do with passion. So it's not very, very easy, but I, I, I know what I'm doing. I know it sounds crazy. For, for normal people, it's, it sounds a little bit um, irresponsible and um, uh, irrational, probably. But Do you think you need to it, be a little bit crazy and irrational to uh, pursue music full-time today? Yeah, I, I'm sure <laughs> you have to be a little bit crazy. Not, I, I'm sure you have to be fully crazy to do this. <laughs> if, you, if you do this with passion... And with your heart, first of all, then you can even to get a good fee for it. That's all that matters. Okay, great. Now, if you don't mind, I can't I, I can't talk to Airwave without talking about trance a little bit. So, yeah, do, you, of course. do you mind if we uh, shift focus into that and yeah, the state of uh, so-called call. EDM today? Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So, um, I was wondering what your thoughts are on. The way that the industry has changed and the accessibility of music creation tools and, and DJing software and and all that sort of thing. I mean, the ways that the barriers of entry have been lowered 
do you think that this is a good thing or a bad thing, The having the accessibility, which leads to saturation of the market? Let, let me be very clear about this. Uh, in my opinion, accessibility of all this software and hardware and everything else is just a great thing because it gives potentially many others and many gifted people to discover about the, um, to discover about themselves. Music is self-exploration. Music is what helps you know yourself better. And no matter if you make money out of it or not, but I mean, it's, it's very, very important that music, hardware and software gets accessible to people and not the opposite. Music, uh, used to be very baroque and very, uh, in, in, in the specific way that it was only accessible to give, um, to rich, to rich people, if you see what I mean. Um, you had to learn how to play piano, first of all, which is simple. Okay. But, you know, you had to read, uh, sheet music. You had to be able to um, play the guitar, for example, and all the all the shit. And in the seventies, and well, even before, but in the sixties, let's say, when um, when guys like Jimi Hendrix and and the Beatles came on the market, they they were so passionate about music, and you you could see that you didn't have to 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 learn about sheet music, and it's just the same about uh, about jazz music, you know. It was just a simple. They couldn't read sheet music, but they could play like tons and tons of melodies uh, at a terrific speed. And this is this is why I think that accessibility of this technology is a good thing because on the longer term, it's gonna lead us. It's gonna move us forward in, into life, and it's gonna it's gonna make uh, music sound better as well. Now we are just growing up with it. But we we have just started growing up. We will evolve to um, uh, to a higher state of consciousness probably because of that technology. So, do you think that it's fair to say that I, I mean you you got started before really the the digital revolution had taken off? Yeah. But um, you definitely it seems like entered entered into the scene and into to music through these kind of more accessible means by using a, a computer and keyboards and things that you could that were actually reachable to the layperson. So do you think it's fair to say that you would not be where you are today without that barrier of entry being lowered? To be honest, I'm really happy that I've known both sides of the, of that world, you know, before the digital revolution and after it. And to be honest, I will, I would never go back to, to the way it was before because of that digital revolution. I just grabbed my laptop, a few keyboards and I can, I can perform anywhere. It's just amazing. Twenty years ago, it was next to impossible. You know. I'm glad to hear you say that. Just I can just take my machine controller and my Omnisphere and a, and a keyboard and and my iPad and I can just start making music on the fly like like no one else and it sounds banging and amazing and 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 full. You know, and it was impossible twenty years ago. Yeah, I get into a lot of. Uh, I won't say arguments, but just discussions with uh, people, for instance, in my local scene here in Ohio, where, you know, everybody has an opinion yeah. about w- whether it's producing or DJing about what makes you a real one or what is a real tool and what's a toy and da 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 da. And, and I don't know how many times I've had the, where I've said the phrase, I don't care what you use, I just care about the output. 
for somebody who has been on both sides of that fence to have embraced that, that's that's cool to hear that that you're happy with the way things are are moving forward and absolutely I change am. it. And I, I don't think that going back to analog uh, will uh, will be will be a great move forward because um, I mean going back to analog is is great. It's cool. It's amazing. I've seen big artists uh, showing the new their brand new modular systems and everything else, and I just I'm just like meh. You know, <laughs> uh, what's the point? You know, um, I, I, I think it's a lot cooler to make great results with great software because it's so much more convenient. It's not the tools that make you a great musician. It's, it's yourself. It's your brain. It's your heart. It's your passion. It's your work out of it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I'm sure we will discuss about it in, uh, in, in a few, in a few minutes, but, this is exactly what I have against most people um, just uh, getting too much attention, especially in, into your, your country right now. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to explain that later on, probably. <laughs> I, I would love to hear your insight on that. Um, yeah. You being, you know, our second uh, interviewee, it's great to have somebody who's on the, the other yeah. side of the pond um, to talk to about that because there there are a lot of – let's say, interesting things happening in America in the electronic music world right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I know. Um, I know. I know. This, it, this is getting terrible uh, right now in, in the U.S. I, I, was, I was pissed. Yeah. How would you describe um, as it relates to trance music? I mean, uh, the, the, the state of trance, if you will. Um, how do you feel about it? Um, you know, obviously in recent years, s- supposed trance artists have kind of migrated towards this electro house or... My side of the world... From this continent, I can tell you definitely that trance is coming back to its original state. Very underground, and there is really clearly a distinction between everything that's pop-oriented now, today, and everything that's really underground. I was raised with the likes of Union Jack, Platypus, and uh, many others from that kind of music. And not, uh, not Alice DJ, if you see what I mean, or right. Jorgen, or not, uh, uh, none of this, uh, Dutch, uh, crap, you know? Right. Although I got to work with, uh, with, uh, some Dutch guys, uh, like Armin, of course, but that, that was, you know, I went off and I'm really, really proud of it because that, that was back in the day and we were on the same line and today he's making something else, which I have to, to respect, to be honest. But that's not my thing. But I respect it, and I, I, I really happy. I, I really am happy for him that he's he got so successful o- over the years, and uh, there is no jealousy in here. To be honest, I'm I, I feel great for him because uh, he got where he wants to go, and um, this is also my my case musically. I mean. This happens with a lot of different genres. It's not specific to trance, but does it does oh. it bother you that, for example, the kind of more pop oriented, uh, yeah. Anjuna type sound? Yeah, but uh, is uh, still it, called it, trance. The, the, these are guys who still support me as well. I think if they want to go uh, to go towards the the, the electro thing, uh, well, it's not a bad thing for themselves if they're happy with it. But that was not my case. I just wanted to go back to my roots. And this is where, you know, I just make the big uh, step backwards, in fact, back uh, two years ago. And uh, Atlas Wins is just 
the first track that came out of the, that came out of there. And that, that, that was awesome. You know, I was like, wow, this is it. This is what I want to do. And Atlas Winds was one of my favorite yeah. trance tracks ever, not just of thank, modern times. You can, can thank John Double for that because he, he told me, man, you have so much talent. Don't waste it by making something that doesn't suit you. And I was like, he's right. Why the hell? Why, why bother? <laughs> so you feel that, that, uh, I mean, did, did John, uh, uh, John Fleming, does, did he kind of uh, help you stick to your guns um, as far as, you know, wanting to keep it underground? Uh, in first instance, when John told me, listen, you are a trans guy, this is what you have to make, like, two years ago, I was like, listen, John, I'm not sure. But two days after that, I made Atlas Wins. So I was like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and the more I got into that sound, that that very very trancey and underground sound, the 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 better I was feeling, and, and the easier it got for me. The the genre has certainly been through a lot since the early nineties, uh, but I think it's coming back. I mean, the the underground scene is coming back to its to its original state, and now this is my position. But I think that overproducing is going to to disappear from the scene, from the underground scene. And from there, we'll start seeing people improvising complete pieces of music from scratch in real time because the technology is here right now. And because of that technology, we are, we are about to keep it really um, underground yet very attractive for people who don't know it. And I'm sure that the new generation, the teenagers of now, they are looking for this because they just switched the radio on, uh, especially here in Western Europe. It's, it's, believe me, they just switched the radio on. They are 13, 15 years old and they, they're like, everything I hear is bullshit. This is what they <laughs> tell me. And when they listen to the bonsai music of 20 years ago, they're like, this is the shit, man. This is exactly what I, what I want. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Okay. I, I think this underground is, will always be there. And this is why I'm trying to to push it today because this is exactly my, where I need to stand for my own in order to film my, to film myself. What would you say that separates that kind of 20 years ago bonsai and and the platypus sound from the 90s? What separates that from today's trance music? What's what's lacking now that 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 stuff had? I think it's not lacking. It's there. It's there now because you have platypus, but. It got replaced. Well, it got replaced. No, it came back now, and um, we we have tons of labels making making great, great, great side progressive music. I'm um, I'm a big fan of uh, Mystic Music, if you know them. Yes, they're Mike great. Mike and Steven Rivich. Uh, I'm a big fan of Contrast Records, of course. Mushik is one of my favorite artists ever, and we have a, a ton of them. You know, so there is nothing lacking. Those those guys and we in general need more exposure. That's it. But so it's out there. You just got to look. It's out there. Uh, we just need a little bit more exposure, and uh, and we need more space to express ourselves, and eventually make get paid a good fee for it if if we are really worth it. But it's we make we make it out of out of passion first of all. So I I don't think there is something la- lacking and. And we are today the next big thing. 
in underground, and we want to remain underground. And this is very exciting for 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 the all of us. John and I keep talking about this all the time. We we are like, oh, this is we are going through exciting times right now. We are into it. We are so positive about it, and we we just want to to keep doing the doing that doing that stuff. I love that positive approach. That that half glass full attitude is is. I mean, it, it takes people. It takes that type of attitude to well to move just forward. I think. Thank John Double O Fanning for that. The guy got cancer. He got um, he got his uh his arm shredded by a propeller, but he's still around. And he's still positive that way. You know. And he's still and he's not afraid to talk about you know no. his no. thoughts on on the scene and the underground and and yeah. all that stuff. He's very much like you in that in that I think where he's he knows where he stands and and he'd like to tell you about it. Exactly, and this is why uh, this is why I love I I love so much working with uh, with John on the on the longer term, and this is why we've been uh, we've been partners in crime for yeah for five years now. So you guys uh, collaborate on a lot of the tracks yeah. that you work on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We collaborate and we exchange a lot of ideas and um, we make a lot of stuff together. I co-produced his latest album, and I'm really proud of it. And I co-produced a lot of uh, of of his uh, other album tracks on the on the last one, Nine Lives. He's been the game changer for me. I just want to be like John today, and this is what I call a fruitful tree, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a little bit Christian, you you probably know about this. This this is part of my uh, of my education, and I'm really I feel great, you know. I just, I just want to make sure that people around me are, uh, are are in great shape as well. Well, those who are worth it, and I just seek for the people who are really worth it, just like John does, did with me. That's it. So, what's that kind of working relationship like when you're actually producing tracks together? I mean, do you both attack entire tracks at once, or do you kind of consult each other or focus on different elements of the track? How does that work? Depends on the job. Sometimes John comes up with a, with an 80 person finished track. And he just tells me, uh, well, do your magic on top of it. It's just okay. like two hours work and it's done. But or on the other hand, sometimes he just has a recording of something he heard on TV or something like this. And he's, he's like, listen, I don't have your, your gift. Can you help me out with this? And uh, we, we just, you know, that's my part of the job for him. But he also does the opposite for me as well. When I need some um, some side-minded stuff, uh, some examples, and some some input, some guidance, he's always around for me. So, do you feel that you you guys do you guys focus on side trance? Is that what what you would describe a lot of your? No, I, I think I think there is a misconception about uh, about juve and uh, the the juve camp in general. Yeah, the term's uh, tossed around a lot. Yeah, well. John tends to play a lot of psytrons as well, which is great because this is the only thing that's really pure at the at the moment, except for some artists who just want to be the the armin of psytrons. But I just don't don't, don't want to waste my time with them. But um, Tooth and John and Airwave are, are much more than psy minded tracks. We are going back to the roots. To, to to the originators of this sound, and it could be anything. So it's a little bit 
side-minded when it comes to uh, Atlas Wins, for example. But it's a lot more reminiscent of IQ when it comes to Game of Life, in my case. You see what I mean? Yeah. And these two have their place on on the juve in the, on the juve camp, and everyone is welcome in this in the same you know in, in the same area. And this is because I, I think we are so sure about uh, how great this this nuisance coming up. You know, with the with the, with the youngsters growing up as established artists in the next few years, we are so sure that they will become amazing because of that state of mind we are into. So psi is just an adjective, let's say. It's not it's not so so important, but we are much more than this. So we more, are more of a mindset a, than a than a style. Well, I think we are underground trance. This is what we call what you can call underground trance, whatever it is. So, if you could say one thing to today's younger generation of trance fans, what would that be? That we are going through exciting times, very exciting ones, and that I'm looking forward to to hearing what they what they uh, will be able to do in the next few years, because youngsters and fresh blood is always what we need to move on in life. I don't care if someone gets much more famous than I am or than I ever was because he's a youngster. It's always been like that. Sure. So not even jealous, you know. I, I, I saw that with my friends. Finally grown up. They, they, they went up and up and up and up. Good for them. Today I'm really, I'm really in peace with that, uh, which, which was not always the case to be honest. But let's move on. And we need this, this young, and this, um, the, these young people to, to move on in life as well. So, um, exciting times ahead. This is what I want to, want them to understand. So the kind of counter question to that, um, if you could say one thing to, uh, if you want to call them old school trance fans, your supporters from the nineties and beyond, um, if you could say one thing to there them, what would it be? Only one thing that I can tell you, uh, that I can tell you, uh, that I can tell them. In fact, this is thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for uh, pushing the right, uh, pushing us in, in the, in the, in the right direction. And thank you for, for going into the same direction. Thank you for being great people as well, because good music brings good people together as well. So uh, I think it's, it's very positive. So thanks. A million thanks, even. So this this question is is a pretty big one. So take your time with it. But what is your best piece of advice for a producer or DJ just getting started today? Uh, I, I have to take my time uh, with that with that one because it's not it's not an, an easy one to be honest. Be determined. Always finish what you start. This is my biggest piece of advice it's always been in fact finish what you start i have a big I, I, that really resonates with me because i have a big issue with not finishing projects <laughs> yeah, i know that too it, it happens all the time here yeah that's that's something that i've really been working on this year specifically and and uh, the, the passionate dj uh, website is is kind of um uh, proof positive that i've actually been getting over that hurdle of trying to actually complete projects. I, maybe a year or two ago, if I would have started the site, I would have put the blog software up and made a couple posts and then went on my merry way. And I, I think that's that's crucial if you want to, to move things along and, and do something useful and provide value to other people. 
Mm-hmm. You have to actually finish what you start, or it's kind of a waste yeah. of time. Or, or you will never do. That's, That's a problem. Right. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for, for that great insight. On well, thank, the... thank you, man. This is a great opportunity, and uh, I really like I really enjoy talking about my passion with uh, with the people people like you. Great. Well, for our final segment, I'd like to get just maybe a little bit more personal and, and dig into your head. Who are your all-time musical influences? Um... Today I would like to, to, to talk about the likes of Vangelis Papadanasiu, if you know him. Vangelis, of course, is really a, uh, very uh, famous for his movie scores, yes. for everything else, Blade Runner, among others. I think he's one of the biggest musicians of all time, and because he has a, the, the right approach. Another guy I would like to, um, uh, to talk about today is Klaus Schulze from, uh, from Germany. I think the guy was um, was an eye opener for me recently uh, because I discovered his work quite late, in fact, to be honest. And uh, I think we are in the same state of mind. Thirdly, there is one guy. Uh, there are two other guys I would like to talk about who are really important to me today. Um, Eric Persing, first of all, the guy who uh, made Spectrosonics is also the guy who made all the sounds for the biggest hits in the history of house and trance music. And not only that, you know, uh, Eric Persing made the Juno Hoover, you know, that that the sound from Dominator. Right, right. Persing. Uh, Eric Persing made the pizzicato sound that you can hear in the Faithless uh, Insomnia, among yes. others. Uh, Eric Persing made so many other sounds for the Roland and uh, for the Roland synthesizers in the, in the in the 80s and 90s. He's just a legend on his own, and now he just pushes uh, pushes it forward with Atmosphere. Thanks to him, we got uh, I got to discover another hero of mine for his state of mind, which is um, Diego Stocco, the guy from Italy, from Rovigo. And uh, he's an amazing guy making, I think, the greatest music. And his approach is, is out of this world. He's probably worth a thousand other, other musicians that I know. <laughs> That's so awesome. He, uh, yeah, because he, he just makes music out of nothing. Just microphones and nature and a recorder. He's just a legend for me. So um, people don't know him that well, but he's a, he's a, he's a great sound designer and uh, he's just a legend for me. And uh, now he lives in uh, in Burbank, I think. So uh, because he's working with Spectrosonic as well. What about as it relates relates directly to trance music? Do you have a favorite trance record or a favorite trance artist? I used to have a, a, a lot of uh, favorite trance artists. Um, the guys from IQ uh, originally are the guys I uh, I mean Ralph and um, Harald. Uh, who's called um, Cosmic Baby? If you know him, yes, yes. They are my main my main guys uh, from from trance from trance music. Uh, the guy uh, Brainchild Brainchild is uh, you know Brainchild Symphonica. This is probably my my favorite record uh, on on IQ. And uh, Cosmic Baby uh, made uh, yeah this track called um, Heaven's Tears, which is for me one of the best records of all time. And you have tons of them. So uh, Ralph, Matthias, uh, Harald, and and a few uh, a few others, just like uh, Gerrit Friedrichs, the guy uh, called uh, You Mate, in fact, who made uh, that famous song Last Simulation. Right, right. 
Paul Van Dyck. Well, on paper. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, the guy behind it, this cosmic baby, can hear it all the way, so doesn't matter. But uh, you, you you can hear that. This this German scene was really, really, really uh, healthy. This is why why I liked it so much, and uh, you can you can still hear uh, hear it. It's quite reminiscent to my son today. So what about in your? I mean, you've got what five hundred or so productions under your own belt. I mean, what's your favorite out of your productions? There is a production that's not very uh, very trancy or not even club record. That there, there are two of them. Uh, there is first uh, a track that I did with uh, Avatar One, a girl from the UK. It's called uh, Chased uh, Childhood Monsters. It's, it was on Parallel Lines, my latest album. And the other one is also a track with, uh, made with um, Die Bauer from Chicago, and it's called Ten Years. Those two tracks are really important to me. They're, they're not my my favorite productions for for the for 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 the for, for the big audience probably but th- these are very important to me and there is also when things go wrong then that comes uh that comes to to mind when talking about favorite productions because that that one was really the you know the track that comes up in in free hours and it's just magic, you know. So the first one was on that you mentioned was on Parallel Lines. What, um, yeah. When did the other uh, ones come ten out? Years, ten years was also on Parallel Lines. Okay, they are part of of that the album that I made in 2010 and 2011. In fact, and see, this is this is really cool because I, you know, you've been doing this for a couple decades now, and I ask you what your favorite track is, and it's a very recent production. There's something about that that I really like, that you you still really love what you're doing and you're excited about it. And Absolutely, I still do. But the, these tracks are now two years old, but then they, they, I never get tired of them, you know? Chase Ties with Monsters, but also my, 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 my classics, you know? Uh, Alone in the Dark, Save Me, Inner Space, and all of them. I like them all, but those tracks have something something that that, that hurt me deep inside of me. That that was because of the period where I, I went through a lot of shit, and those tracks were just a result of it, of them, you know. And uh, th- this is when you grow up, when you go through some 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 difficult periods, you just grow up naturally. And these two tracks are the result of of that. While when things go wrong and save me were made into a very happy period for me. So besides you and and John, who would you say is is really making moves in underground dance music? Who's just crushing it? Is there anybody else out there that that you're just really have caught your eye? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Moshik has has been doing it uh, right for for well over the kid right right now. So, but he's always worth mentioning it. Uh, also, there is. Um, there are a few guys that I'd like to talk about today that I that I like a lot, and uh, there there is one uh, one guy is uh, Guy Barone from uh, Italy, who's uh, who's a very good producer, and then uh, we have those guys from uh, Balkan uh, from the Balkans who are really making it right right now. Michael Levin, uh, the two brothers from Mystic Music, and uh, of course Steven Rivich. And uh, also uh, Matteo Monero and uh, Relaunch and um, also in-house art artists that we have. Just like um, I've just signed a couple of records who are really that are really out of this world. And one of those was made by an American guy. 
is called Sedna. Okay. Amazing record. You you will hear it in a few months. It's it's a great. It's a masterpiece in the, in in the area. Uh, soon out on LCD recordings. Also, uh, Matt Holiday from the UK is worth mentioning. And uh, yeah, the, these are the guys overall that I that I try that I'm trying to push today. Oh, sorry about the noise. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, it, it it fits into the content from earlier about us talking about family life and and a traveling DJ. So, <laughs> can you tell us about one of your most memorable memorable gigs or memorable moments while playing out somewhere? Uh, it's probably due to the period and the the, the the stuff I'm going through right now in my personal life. But my latest uh, live performance that you can see on YouTube uh, here at Cherry Moon in Belgium was was emotionally intense. And I had never got any response like this in my own country. People were screaming all over the place for 30 minutes. I was like, wow, amazing. And um, first time it happens in my country like this. And secondly, um, with my own tunes, you know, with the, with the classics that everyone knows probably. But it was amazing. And when I was done, you know, I ended up in tears. Literally in tears. I, I, I collapsed, almost collapsed for, for five seconds. I, I didn't, I didn't know where I was anymore. I, and I ended up in tears because emotionally it was, it was very intense. Make the search, airwave, live, cherry moon in, on, on YouTube and you will find it immediately. And uh, you will see, you will see what, what I'm talking about. It was amazing. The whole live set is there. So, um, <laughs> That's an awesome story, and for those that are listening, I will uh, put that link in the show notes yeah, so that you can view it. It's it's a good call. <laughs> so, what projects do you have in the works currently that you, that you can tell us about? What's what's kind of coming down the pike? Well, I have good news because I have a, a new record all out. Um, a new record out. Sorry, uh, tomorrow. Uh, exclusively on Beatport, um, which is my first collaboration with a legend here in, uh, for trans and progressive music in Belgium. The guy is a Frenchie, but he's made uh, his whole career as a DJ in, in my country, Belgium. The guy is called Fifi. Uh, okay. Uh, he's, um, he's responsible of some uh, hits in the 90s as uh, Quadron and uh, Fifi and Greg D. And he was not very active into the studio anymore because he didn't have a, a good partner in crime, so stuff like this, because he's really a DJ. But he has incredible input. And he came up with, uh, you know, w- with the idea to finally make something with me. And I was like, let's make it happen, you know. And um, he's known uh, today for his progressive house sound. I'm known for my Tron sound. And the both of us, are big fans of Mushiks, so we were like, let's make it that way. Wow, that's, and, that's quite uh, an alley. That's exciting to hear. <laughs> back on track. You can now hear it on my uh, on my uh, website, on my Facebook, on my SoundCloud. It's all, it's all over the place, and it's getting released tomorrow with um, six different mixes. So uh, it's a great record, and we have a bunch of records uh, in the pipeline. Secondly, I will have a record out with uh, Digital Blonde. It's called Fuju. Soon to be released on due recordings, but in the future. Also, I have uh, other records planned with uh, with many others, and um, I'm sure you will be amazed by the not only the quality but the, but the quantity. And uh, uh, well, 
I'm really focusing right now on iWave, and uh, this is what I'm, this is what I want to do to keep making, you know. So uh, collaborations and good records. I have another record coming out on on Juve Recordings um, in the in the next few months as well, a, a solo recording. I'd rather keep it secret for now because uh, it's uh, it's a good record, and I'm still working on it, finishing it. So. There it is. Well, Lawrence, I can't wait to hear what these projects have in store for us, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So uh, where can listeners of the Passionate DJ podcast connect with you online as far as social media and your website? Uh, first of all, you can always check uh, my, uh, first of all, my uh, Airway fan page on Facebook. So at facebook.com slash Airway fan page uh, in one word. Then you can always check my SoundCloud soundcloud.com slash Laurent Airwave. Thirdly, also my website, airwave-music.com or djairwave.com itself works for those interested. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And you can all, you, you can always find me on Twitter as well every now and then, but I am not, a, I'm not a big Twitter poster to be honest. I, I, I just related the posts on, on the other, on the other uh, networks. And folks, definitely also be sure to check out uh, Progress, the LCD sessions, which is... Yeah, a- sessions every last uh, Wednesday of uh, of each month. Very, very uh, important. You can, e- uh, you can either listen to it live each last Wednesday of each month on uh, DI Progressive, or you can also, uh, if you miss it, uh, hear it on my SoundCloud account, of course. And, of course, you can find this and all the uh, the social links and the other resources mentioned in this interview in the show notes at passionatedj.com slash airwave. And if I can just say one more thing to, to wrap this up, the, the two fairly recent albums in the grand scheme of things, Dark Lines and Bright Lines and Parallel Lines, are shining beacons in a sea of uninspired modern electronic music. Well, thanks for this compliment because uh – uh you know, it's 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 very uh, it's very hard for us to get to get the right feedback when it comes to underground music. You never know what to expect from people, but the more I get, uh, the more the more f- uh, feedback like this uh, that I get, uh, the the more confident I get that uh, that I'm on the the right path for myself. You know. Well, I can honestly say with with these last few albums and your your um, recent EP, uh, Wrath of Tambora, is it pronounced? Yeah, yeah. This is just a good couple of releases for, for anyone who's ready to get back to basics and just hear some good emotional and that, undeniably that was, electronic music. That was the point. Get back to the essential. I, you definitely nailed it. And, <laughs> I mean, a, a million thanks to you for, for sharing your bits of wisdom with us today. It's It's been an absolute pleasure. It's, uh, the pleasure was mine, I told you, really. I, I'm so passionate about what I'm doing uh, in life, and uh, I just want to share this passion with uh, as many people as possible. So uh, it's really my pleasure. Well, I hope that you will not be a stranger to the passionate DJ community. <laughs> I don't. Really, to, to be honest, when when you make underground music, it's always da- the, the danger. You don't know if you if you get famous or not. It doesn't matter. If you as long as you as you keep doing it for well over ten years and then twenty years, then you know that you're getting somewhere. It takes a lifetime to get to to get somewhere when you do, when you do things the underground way. That's all that matters. You know, you 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 end up taking your lifetime. To, you know, accomplishing your your dream, and this is this is what it takes. So, 
Lauren, thank you so much. That That is great insight, and we hope we'll be seeing you around. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll see, uh, we'll see each other again in the next few, in the next few months. Who knows? <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, mate. All right, bye. Wow, what a great interview with a prolific producer of underground dance music. I'm so glad to have Lawrence's insight on that. And uh, once again, you can check out everything that we discussed in the interview in the show notes, which you can get to at passionatedj.com slash airwave. And we hope you will join us for episode six. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ With Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.